there, gamers. <laughs> Welcome to the Mammoth Gamescast for the week of May 16th. I'm one of your spooky hosts. I should have done the Duke voice from the beginning. That was a major fuck up. Uh, can't take it back now. Yeah, too late. This is filter cord. <laughs> Who else is here? Johnny Riot. And Major Potty. I was and wondering how long you were able here... to do that. So I'm going to spoil uh, the ending to Resident Evil Village right now. No, so basically what happens ah, is... Uh, so Go for it. Do it. So we, uh, we've gone over all the... Uh, we've gone over all the releases uh, in a previous episode. So we are kind of still coming up with some more uh, side episodes that we can do during the month. Uh, definitely uh, let us know about that on... Uh, we would happy to have reviews of the podcast on iTunes... Stitcher, whatever the fuck else we're on. Um, always appreciate that. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and tweet at us and say, hey, you guys should do a Warhammer 40k game. And we won't do it because that's too complicated. If you guys do a podcast critiquing and reviewing our podcast, we'll listen to it. Give us a five-star rating. I don't care what you put in the review, but you have to give us five stars. You can put in, put in five stars and say, this is fucking stupid. I don't know what they're talking about. This idiot's always talking about he's always getting on his fucking soapbox about stupid shit that's fine five stars baby so um typically we would talk about what we're gonna expect to see in next week's uh epic game store freebie but it's a mystery game that we won't know about for looks like four more days as of time of recording here and the last time they had a mystery game, it ended up being Grand Theft Auto V. So typically when they have the the mystery unlock, uh, we, we tend to see something pretty cool come out of that. So, I don't, I mean, I don't really think we have any theories. They've given away like 14 trillion games at this point, so... Yeah, I'm not gonna How lie. How could I, I possibly been, make a good I, guess? I haven't been looking at Epic. I have not fucking up touched my PC for much of anything. So I've actually been back into console gaming for the past few weeks, which has been pretty cool. Yeah, I've actually um, uh, been doing the same thing. I, I you know I played through uh, Resident Evil Seven, Biohazard, uh, with the, all the DLC that was not VR because you are not gonna catch me dead doing horror VR stuff. Not happening. But um, yeah, so I did that. Uh, played through Village, it just beat it the other day, and we've started the uh, Mass Effect trilogy. Um, I'm very pumped to get back into that. Yeah, it's been great. I'm so working on finishing up Village. It. Yep. So between all of us, we'll be able to do a pretty big uh, breakdown of all of the latest stuff to come out at some point, if we wanted to. Um, I know you guys are still considering uh, doing more uh, Resident Evil, kind of behind-the-scenes insider info on yeah the, uh, and honestly it's just because like the Resident Evil franchise ties together so weirdly in so many crazy unique ways even the stuff you uncover while playing through Village that you can wrap back around is just mm -hmm. really cool and I can't wait to finish it so I can just be done and like and understand everything and be awesome um, but then there are games in my backlog that are creeping up on me thanks to recent news Making yep. me want to go back and replay old stuff, which really hurts. <laughs> so, it's a great tease. I'd say let's get into it. So, uh, one game that some of us might be familiar with. So, um, one game that I am very excited about. Um, it was my original uh, Xbox One like favorite system seller exclusive. 
um, Sunset Overdrive. Hell yeah. This was the reason why I decided to get an Xbox One. I hadn't gotten the console day one. I waited. And it was the combination of this with Master Chief Collection and seeing that they were adding more than just uh, your numerical iterations that led me to wanting to get an Xbox One. And I have no regrets. I loved Sunset Overdrive. Dude, Sunset Overdrive just felt like it was a game made for me. <laughs> From the <laughs> yeah. aesthetic to the attitude to just the energy drink infused chaos. Oh my like God. I was so ready for it so it, it's nothing crazy that when insomniac got acquired by sony recently that everybody mm -hmm. was asking questions about it everybody was wondering what was going on and back then the talk was that microsoft still owned sunset overdrive but like you know that specific game but the ip as a whole was part of insomniac and or you know, microsoft still owned sunset overdrive like all the craziness um but then we got some potential news this week yeah and uh it's looking like we may end up seeing a uh, a sunset overdrive two in the near future yeah it's it's at least possible um when he was in a, a so the the director at insomniac that had worked on sunset overdrive marcus smith uh was having kind of just a big um kind of playstation uh you know internal like what kind of stuff are you working on i think he's working on the um ratchet and clank game right now so uh, which just went gold so right. he's not working yep. on it anymore was working on so uh you know in this interview uh that he did with gq he said um i think there are a lot of stories that can be told in that universe i would love to return to it i have i had a lot of fun making that game um so it's not a it's not a definitive answer, but uh, basically they were saying, is it possible? And he didn't say no. <laughs> so it, it is physically possible. Um, you know, another quote, he said, I mean, never say never is my approach when asked about a potential second game. Quote, obviously we're a part of Sony now, but we own the IP, so there's nothing really stopping us other than we have a lot of really exciting things in the future. Um so there's, you know, there's kind of been a rumor that there was a potential squeak wool being pitched and talked about. Um, so that's possibly still going on. And additionally, there was a variety of rumors circulating that a quote-unquote revamped Sunset Overdrive could be coming to PlayStation 4 and 5. Sony hasn't commented on it, but a lot of uh, people who typically make correct guesses have been making this guess as well. Uh, Sony has recently trademarked uh, was it just the Sunset Overdrive name again? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I think the I think the the big brain move here is to release the definitive or whatever Sunset Overdrive for PS4 and Five. When that's about to hit, then you come out and say, "Oh, and you know, depending on the success of this, we're working on Sunset Overdrive too." Dude, could you imagine Sunset Overdrive with haptic feedback on the PS5? Oh, that's cool. Be cool. It's it was such a dumb like the haptic feedback of like that when, game. Oh, sorry. It, it's like the grinding, like grinding on power, like the, like the grinding on power lines and stuff is just ridiculous. Um, and I could totally imagine that, but that haptic feedback going through so many different kinds of weapons and stuff in that game are all going to feel so different as you're firing them. Um, the the game was just a greatest hits of everything that applied to me, and that's it's. 
man, it reminded me of everything I loved about so many different games. Mm -hmm. uh, that was exactly what I was going to say. It's like, imagine the haptic feedback of like when you're grinding on the rails and the guns. I mean, I still think like one of my favorites was the rocket launcher that was the teddy bears that you would, or was it a grenade launcher? I can't yeah. remember which, but God, that thing was hilarious to fire out. Dude, I just love firing like seven inch records at, at enemies. Oh my God. Yep. <laughs> It was so dumb. And the disc for the game looking like a record, just like splattered with the, the orange stuff around yeah. it. Yeah. The energy never drink. Back. That's like the one game that I just never got rid of once I got it. And the fact that it was right off the bat, create a custom character and play through the story as your character. I had fun with it. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, seeing the main character like wear a, a, a like awesome denim vest and half the time be portrayed with like a mohawk of some kind and like just like sketched up skinny jeans i was like this is <laughs> stupid i love this yeah, um, i think mike and it had like almost horror elements from time to time because of all the monsters you were fighting so it, it felt like someone just picked my brain in several different places and we're like and we're gonna make this a game now i think my character ended up looking like he had a pirate jacket on and he had like one of those mascot panda helmets on as well I just went full ridiculous as much as I could with my character. Nice. So, uh, as we look at, uh, you know, now a PlayStation title used to be an Xbox exclusive. We've got some information on some future uh, Xbox exclusives. Oh, before and we go, you are not going to be happy. Before we go into that, how do you guys think that they would try to do a rollout of Sunset Overdrive and a potential sequel? Yeah, I think. Um, I think hitting with the remaster first that seems to be like a big thing now that uh a lot of companies are doing remasters to kind of test the waters i think yeah, i think that's a sound see, like, theory yeah okay does anybody still give a shit about this it would have um, to be I, a cheap yeah. remaster for sure yeah yeah you hit you hit the remaster uh obviously it was a good looking game it's not like it has you know 9k textures that need to be uprezzed or whatever um it was it was very smartly uh went for a stylized look mm -hmm. that I think will age well and be easy to port to additional consoles and everything. Do you see um, um, a remaster of this being like a day and date launch for PlayStation Plus? That could be a, that could be a smart move. Um, but that would make it difficult to test to see if people are interested. True. Because um, I, I see a lot of the remaster stuff so a lot of people will say stuff like it's it seems to just be cash grabs, mm -hmm. which is true mm -hmm. of Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> but I think typically it is studios kind of testing. Like we've heard, so we're, we're playing the Mass Effect trilogy remaster. So we've heard Bioware say like, we want to do Mass Effect stuff again. We don't really know if we have it anymore after Andromeda and then, you know, Anthem just shitting the bed. Um, Bioware's We'll have to wait to see, but they've possibly been given a new lease on life to be able to do single-player-only RPGs. So, for them, I really do think that the, the trilogy remaster is testing the waters. Does anybody give a shit about Mass Effect anymore? Mm -hmm. Right? And um, they put a lot of work, especially in the first game, um, bringing it up to a more modern standard and everything. I can't speak to uh, 2 and 3 yet, but, I mean, 3 that really didn't need a lot of tweaking at that point. No, they but um, they they refined it quite a bit um, by the third game there. So 
Yeah, I, I could see maybe I could I could maybe see um, Sunset Overdrive Remaster being a, a plus release. That is if they have already committed to making a sequel, right? Right. Yeah. If they, they get commit it out. enough to a two, then yes, doing that as a plus release would instantly be a right. success because um, it would have people invested. Um, I don't know. I think I was looking at some other stuff, and I almost wish we could get like a like maybe just a set of Insomniac remasters because um, I think there's some there's some cool possibility there. Good. Um, but imagine like resistance like as like just a just a package like imagine a really weird triple pack or double pack of some insomniac remasters i would definitely pay money for um but maybe if they just dropped some sunset overdrive it would uh revitalize something old in there that might give us something as far back as make them look at some other insomniac games they could bring back to the current gen yeah and then I guess my other question is, do you see Sunset Overdrive, with Insomniac being uh, owned by PlayStation now, being exclusive to PlayStation, or do you see it coming to both uh, platforms? Or all platforms? No, I think they would want to... I, I, th- I, I think, think it would stick it. with Sony. You think it would stick with Sony? I, I'd, I'd, say it would, I'd say it would stay exclusive. I think that... Yeah, just because of Sony's uh, model, from what we've seen, uh, which, like I tease we're going to also talk about xbox on this but sony's model when they acquire somebody they're not interested in uh, sharing sharing yeah well sony also prides themselves on just knowing that you're going to buy their system for their games right um that's something that they completely crushed with during the entire ps4 generation was yeah this could probably go somewhere else but it's not going to to buy it here anyway (laughs) i mean they have still been very KG about even releasing shit on PC. Right. I mean, it's it, what? How long did it take them to put Zero Dawn out on PC? Oh yeah, they wait until Zero it is Dawn came out. Fucking decade almost. Horizon Zero yeah. Dawn came out so, 2017, right? So it would have been yeah three years that before I did the PC. Really, that's way more recent than I thought it was. Uh, I mean, it was the reason why. Wa- for some reason, Breath of the Wild overshadowed it, and Breath of the Wild and Switch came out in 2017. Yeah. Yeah, it was like January. Yeah. Yeah, February 28th, 2017 for Horizon yeah, Zero Dawn. February. Interesting. I thought it was older than that. That's <laughs> it's been a long year. We probably aged 10 years. I think. Yeah, that's true. Just 2020 was like five years of my yeah. life. And so that's probably why it seems it's been longer than it has been. Yeah. But, point still stands. They are, they're hesitant to uh, even go to PC, which I would, I mean... I don't even consider a PC to be a competitor to consoles. Just a different crowd, I think. I yeah, I would um, say it'd be safe to say that. So I think Nintendo has said that that they, they do not consider PC to be a competitor. Uh, they don't yeah. even analyze console-wise. No, as far as like that share for the footprint, it's not going to happen. Like PC is going to be its own thing. You're not oh, going to convince God. a kidding. You're, me. you're not really going to sway somebody one way or the other if they have oh. both like they're gonna this play on part. PC There's, they're not gonna play on, on the console if they have a PC but the idea of dropping these huge huge experiences uh, and that's so what some of them have been on Sony's side have been experiences more than just games because they've been yeah. so good um, dropping those on console exclusively for the first multiple years has made a difference it's affected yeah. day one sales of consoles um, 
look at how many streamers out there that would normally stream everything they can on PC that are streaming all the PS5 titles as they drop because they had to have that console day one for streaming purposes and they are playing all those exclusives as fast as they can because if they don't, someone else is going to beat them to it. Um, having that massive delay before they drop their stuff over to PC is a very big deal. Yeah. And speaking of keeping things close to the chest, uh, we've heard some, uh, yeah, some updated... Um, There's some chains are rattling. <laughs> yes, so uh, people are going to be mad about this one. Uh, Microsoft acquired Bethesda, what, year and a half ago, something like that? Um, yeah, Microsoft, we, we, we all knew that Microsoft went through and acquired Bethesda and right off mm. the bat that led us to a lot of speculation um, a lot right. of speculation um, but for the most part it was also kind of a Microsoft buying up Bethesda and then sticking their hands up in the air and being like no you guys keep doing what you're doing we're, we're, we're not here to, to micromanage just, right. just keep From, it up keep it up yeah um, I guess from what we've heard, for the most part, uh, Microsoft does seem to be that kind of owner that they kind of say, well, look, we acquired you because we like what you're doing. Keep doing it, right? Um, they have not interfered with, like, Minecraft, for example. You know, they put out more DLC, whatever, um, and they kind of, you know, they allowed Minecraft to continue to run on every other console. They released Minecraft Dungeons on everything. Um, so... Yeah, like they're, they're good at keeping hands off when they know it's still going to generate money for them. Right. Um, but it, at the same time, there was a lot of speculation early on where we saw all these games falling under the Microsoft umbrella finally. And we're seeing like, oh, you know, there's what are we going to see happen with this? Are we going to see a bunch of exclusive things happen? And we, we started seeing a lot of Game Pass. Um, we have seen a ton of uh, Bethesda stuff hit Game Pass now, which has been really cool. But this right. whole time we were like, there and early on, Microsoft kind of said, "I don't see it affecting exclusivity anywhere. I think I, I think that that's going to be fine. It'll it'll still be a thing." And then then we started to hear like, "Well, we'll 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 address that on a game by game basis." And I'm like, mm -hmm. "That's that's a little different than you said a the other cagey. week. That's yeah. different than you said the other the other week." But we'll we'll, we'll go with that. Just fine. We'll, we'll 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 see where it goes. And now there's rumors kind of going out there that. Uh, we may find out as soon as E3 later this year that uh, some of those big Bethesda titles might stick in the Microsoft ecosystem. We might see those guys on Xbox and PC exclusively, um, yeah. for at least for a time, um, which isn't necessarily what we're used to seeing from Microsoft. Right. So, um, yeah, so we... Heard this news originally from uh, GamesBeat journalist Jeff Grubb, who wrote, Starfield is exclusive to Xbox and PC, period. This is me confirming that. <laughs> um, speaking in a live stream, this prominent game industry reporter went on to state that he believed the title would appear at E3 next month, likely released in 2022. Um, in 2018, my, uh, sorry, Bethesda first showed off Starfield, a big sci-fi RPG I imagine it'll be in the same vein as a Fallout or a Skyrim type of gameplay. 
Um, we haven't seen anything about it since. In 2019 at E3, um, the game director asked fans to be, quote, very patient. Uh, the release plans have been a major talking point since Microsoft announced its acquisition for $7.5 billy. Even PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan um, didn't have any kind of additional uh, internal knowledge. So, um, you know, there's various uh, kind of industry, you know, watchers and stuff that are kind of talking about what they were seeing coming from that. Uh, their kind of follow-up of like, okay, obviously Microsoft being able to put Starfield day one, um, you know, it, that would be huge. Yeah, uh, I mean, the other big side of this is that when the acquisition went through, um, we already knew that there was at least one game in all of that that Sony had exclusivity to. That Bethesda had already contracted exclusivity to Sony for Deathloop. And that was yeah, supposed to be a timed uh, exclusive, I think. I think that's right. Was it Deathloop? I thought there was something else there, too. I, for, I completely forgot about Deathloop. I keep forgetting about Deathloop. <laughs> I think way, a lot of people keep matter. forgetting because it keeps getting pushed back, but I'm pretty certain it's Deathloop. Which is Deathloop. weird. It's like, it's like a very meta thing. It's like every time Deathloop's about to get released, it gets pushed back, kind of like how yeah. you know, every time you're in the game, you're about to succeed, you die and start over again. Right. Um, <laughs> It's, it's a, a it's a marketing the, strategy. development cycle for Deathloop. I bet they're rebooting the, the development every time. Um, but like when that happened, we were told outright like we're we're not gonna interfere with that exclusivity agreement that's already existing. Any ex existing agreement's gonna stay there. Um, so it, it stands to reason that some stuff was already in talks with them. Um, which for good PR sake, they let those conversations keep going and not to shut someone out. But if the, the big thing is, we haven't seen enough of Starfield yet to really know what to think. Um, what all was in the trailer for Starfield? Like, I don't... I can't honestly remember seeing anything. It was like anything. a... The, the, a planet and a space station, I think. Okay. Yeah, like, there wasn't enough there um, for us to know if this is going to be a very huge deal or not. It's completely possible that, like, they might announce this as an Xbox exclusive and PC exclusive... Um, and then it might be, a, it could be a flop for all we know, because there's not enough out there about it yet. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Now, it, will it be? Likely not. I mean, the, the big deal is that, like, right now, more people remember the bad Elder Scrolls Six um, announcement <laughs> that day than talking about Starfield, because yeah. Starfield was supposed to be their big baby, and, and Starfield was supposed to be their new thing they were working on that was going to be huge. And then they were supposed to have that very awesome announcement for Rage 2 um, with Andrew WK's live performance that terrified people in the crowd because he was too aggressive and party hard for them. <laughs> um, but thanks to Walmart leaking Rage 2 a week and a half early, that killed the hype because that was going to be their reveal, which was going to be dope. Um, this was going to be their next big thing, uh, and then we ended up getting this, that Elder Scrolls announcement instead. Right, um, and it was just essentially so, a placeholder to say, "Yeah, we're working on it. Don't worry." Yeah, I mean, like it showed the Elder Scrolls nothing. thing because their hype got lost with um, Rage Two, but Starfield was supposed to be their next. Hey guys, this is the next big project we're going to be working on, though. So be ready for it. We'll get you more news in the future. Um, but it all got broken, and because of that, 
they had when they dropped the Elder Scrolls stuff, it overshadowed Starfield. Right. Um, so I really still don't know how to feel about it because let's face it, there's only so many ways something like Starfield can go. Mm-hmm. And the way we've seen games already going as far as like space games with things like No Man's Sky and all the updates that it's gotten. Um, and, and then we also have other stuff like um, the Outer Worlds and things like that. I just I need to know more about Starfield and how excited I'm going to be. Right. Like, are you going to give me a, a classic like Bethesda experience, like Elder Scrolls or Fallout? You know, full of bugs and stuff. But let me go planet to planet, like in No Man's Sky and everything. That might be fun. Um, yeah. Well, do you think with Starfield? Will, do you think with them focusing just on Xbox and PC that a lot of the bugs that we've come to expect with those um, titles like Fallout and Elder Scrolls might be a lot fewer um, just because no. they only have to no. focus on two platforms. No, not at all. Not at all. No. It's, it, it's still a very Bethesda thing. Sure. Um, it, the funny thing is with Bethesda, it's not even just their games. Everything they do ends up being broken in some way. <laughs> I yeah. sat in a... during the When Fallout 76 was getting talked about a lot before the big reveal, before launch... I sat in a, a meeting room with a bunch of the people during um, my previous um, job during manager conference, and halfway through the presentation, they popped up a video on the screen for us to all watch, and there was just no audio for some reason. Mind you, we were like the seventh group in that room. By then, you should have that figured out. Um, so yeah. Jack asked me very vocally, louder than I thought <laughs> said is this a bug or a feature <laughs> and I got the sharpest dirtiest glares from every Bethesda employee in that room making moves so it really <laughs> I, you would think that being able to focus on something being specific to one operating system uh, like Windows would help alleviate a lot of bugs and stuff that ain't how Bethesda operates yeah Bethesda tends to let a couple people lead the pack and run ahead and, and get all the framework and stuff going, it, it seems. And then everyone else comes in and slaps their coat of paint over all of it and designs everything. And they don't really, they don't really have many people that follow up on the back end and then tug those strings the right way to make sure nothing breaks. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what the difference is with them under the new management here. Um, like we said already, it seems like Microsoft is kind of a studio that, or a, you know, an owner that just says, "Okay, we, we like your shit, keep doing it." That's what I keep getting um, as well. It just seems like so. I, I think it, it could potentially be like Microsoft is like, "Okay, we will do our own QA testing on top of yours," and you know, our uh, you know, our, our trade offer that is that we ask for an additional 1% or whatever, you know what I mean? They get a smaller yeah. reward at the end because we have to do some of your bug fixing. But like, I do think a big problem with Bethesda games, just the number of systems clashing. I mean, we saw the same type of issues with uh, cyberpunk and everything. So just putting more bodies on it. Can't hurt. No, it can't hurt. All right. So, um, Speaking of, we'll just continue on with uh, Xbox's uh, juggernaut of Game Pass power. This um, one's exciting up- to all of us because we were all really excited when this got announced. 
Yeah, so um, we did see, so we are looking at some gameplay footage here just so we can kind of get an eyeball on it, but the uh, upcoming Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance game uh, will be on Game Pass day one. Uh, otherwise, it looks like it's like a $30 buy-in um, with like a, there's like a $50 deluxe edition available or something. Um, so, you know, they know what they're working with. Uh, I gotta be honest, the gameplay trailer looked pretty rough. Um, but, I mean, you can't beat getting into it for free and being able to try it out from there. So. Um, but yeah, it looks interesting. Uh, we've also seen the... Not really like a... Not even really a remaster, just kind of an up-res uh, re-release of Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. Which... I was a big fan of, played a lot oh, yeah. of back I in the day. I feel like all of us that ever messed with that back then were definitely fans of it. Um, yep. This was a this was a kind of a cool announcement though because we all looked at Dark Alliance and saw some potential there as far as action game, but I think that like the co-op aspects missing where we wanted to be at launch were going to be a hindrance, but I think Game Pass mm -hmm. is going to help us forgive some of that. Yep. And it it definitely seems like too that this is a studio that is going to want to continue to work on this game add you know probably adding new characters new areas um this definitely seems like they want to be in it for the long haul i've watched a lot of behind the scenes stuff um so definitely uh definitely gonna be interested for that and of course it's gonna be free for me baby yeah more and more um with releases like this game pass is starting to become more and more the appealing option for me to go for xbox um, I know earlier I said that uh, initially Game Pass wasn't um, a good option for me because most of the things I would be interested in I already own. But as I've let the time go on and I keep adding to this collection, it's becoming more mm -hmm. like the route that I will eventually want to go for. And this definitely is another notch uh, of something that is pushed me that um, to really kind of consider doing uh, Game Pass. And I was speaking before we were recording that uh, I was actually kind of shocked by my brother who is a gamer but not like a hardcore gamer who's always trying to get um, who buys a bunch of games like we do. I picked him up from the airport and uh, eventually he gets on and is like, so I've been looking at Game Pass and I think it's a really good deal for me. And I turned to him and was like, I think it'd be an excellent deal for you. For someone like you who doesn't buy a lot of games, if you do this, yeah. you would you would have so much in your collection that you'd be able to access and you wouldn't be dropping that much money on it in comparison to what you already spend for most of your stuff. Right. And yeah, as like somebody who buys a lot of games on a lot of different systems and everything um the way i look at game pass for myself is basically i get all the microsoft games for free mm -hmm. and occasionally there will be something else that's interesting like an independent game something like this that like i was for sure gonna go pick it up uh i'm glad to have it on whatever you know console they give it to me on um and I'm glad I'll be able to check it out and not... I guess if this was like a, a new $70 release, it'd be a little different. Right. Where it's like, there's no way I would be willing to lose that on something that I wasn't sure about. But in this case, it would have been 30 so I would have bought it either way. But uh, glad to have it on Game Pass. And it, it really is good for that. I think 
one of the downsides of Game Pass is one of the general downsides of kind of digital gaming in general is that they can just decide, okay, nobody's downloading, uh, you know, Dishonored 2, so we're going to pull it. Right, them. but they do have... And then, yeah. They do have a, a system set up where if you do want to outright buy the game, you can buy it at a discount. At a discount, yeah. yeah. That's true, but then also they have already had several games that they took off of Game Pass and then added back on. Right. It's just going to be like so, a rotation like you risky. find on a streaming service like Netflix or something. Yep. So, it's interesting. It's definitely a good deal. I think it's probably... I mean, it is going to continue to be a powerhouse and continue to make uh, Microsoft's like game outing even more powerful. Well, um, I would say that this is going to be one probably one of the most influential things for video game services going forward for this generation for sure yeah yep so that'll be interesting to see where they go with that but uh on to non-digital but physical games (laughs) and just kind of the general hobby um Several retailers, the original news story was Target, but several retailers are going to stop selling Pokemon cards and really a, a lot of just general uh, trading card type stuff. Um, so it was specifically Target first. Is mm-hmm. uh, a response to reports of violent confrontations related to the collectibles whose value has soared in the past year. Uh, on this most recent Friday, Target stopped selling specifically Pokemon cards, but they're considering... There's, uh, there's more than Pokemon oh, no, yeah. targets. Target is yep. also no longer doing um, like most MLB. of the sports cards, too. Yep, NFL, NBA, and Pokemon. No news on Magic? Let's, Magic so, is still sold. Magic is still fine. I still bought okay. a couple set boosters yesterday, so they're still there. <laughs> okay. But yeah, uh, we heard additionally um, Walmart ended up making a similar statement pretty, recent, uh, pretty soon after that. Um, the overwhelming influx of cards has led uh, PSA, the professional sports authenticator service, to stop uh, future, like taking future uh, grading service orders. Mm-hmm. Um, it expects to open up back up in July, so they had to take a month, two months off because they have so much shit. So uh, it, it's so yeah. People are um, so. There's a couple things. Um, there. So the target is already uncomfortable having people, um, like camp outside the store when it opens. So they, it's it is known when targets get these deliveries that will have Pokemon cards. People will camp out the day before to be the first in line to get it when the store opens, and then they'll beat the shit out of each other and pull guns and shit when target was already restricting customers to one per customer and i don't mean one skew i mean like one pack you get one pokemon card product Hmm. right and it obviously wasn't working because people they had introduced yeah they had introduced like a line queue app thing to like get customers like so they're not lining up outside the store they've done all kinds of stuff and it's to the point where uh, employees were not feeling safe. Obviously, the customers themselves were not safe because they're shooting each other and shit. Right. Um, or you know, threatening to at least. There are physical fights. Um, they're just like, yeah, this is this is not worth it. Especially because, I mean, for some of these, if you 
you know, want to take a risk of potentially not making a, not having a great deal or whatever, you can just buy one of these tins that comes with a, it, it kind of has a guaranteed, you know, whatever holographic certain yeah. card. Um, and you can not even open the tin, take it home with the plastic wrap on it and turn around and sell it for like $6,000. I think there's... Because there's a chance it might have a ten dollars or $15,000 card in it. Yeah. So I mean, if you even if you're not knowledgeable and you're, you know, it's it's kind of like a, a little, you know, an easy money auto flip. So it's not even like it's not fans, it's not collectors, it's not even necessarily people who know what they're doing. You can go and buy a forty dollar tin or whatever and turn it around for six grand that day. You know, if you want to let the bids roll in, you can let it go even longer. So. It's like the stores are not making a profit on this. They're actually completely losing their ass. If I was the stock guy in the back room, all of our fucking Pokemon card boxes would be going missing. <laughs> you know? Not I'm not admitting to anything here. I, I don't work at any of these retailers, but I would definitely be committing a federal crime if I did. <laughs> what do you think? But it's, has you know, been... they're they're not they're not making any money. They're just like, okay, fuck it, we're not doing this anymore. You people what are do not you think... mentally mature enough to handle a Pokemon card. Yeah. Good. What do you think is um, driving this massive interest into both Pokemon and MLB and all these cards that people resale? Huh? It's literally just resale. Yeah. Resale. Yeah, it's been. I that. would but say resale has always been a thing. So, like, I feel like there's some other catalysts. Like, I know that no, it's been it's popular just, it's for streamers now. to do like unboxing and. Um, opening decks on their well, streams it, and stuff like that but do you think that's part of like what's been driving this renewed interest into card collecting it's, it's it probably plays a small part in it because a lot of those mm. people like doing those reveals and those opening those unboxings and stuff are getting more people excited for those things but it, it's still the same thing it always has been which is just resellers um, and honestly it's not e the thing is like this isn't something that's new right I had so many issues when I was still at my last job with people buying me out of all of my Pokemon cards every time I got reloaded. Huh. Like every single pack. I had regulars that would pre-order like six boxes um, because they knew they that was a guarantee to get them. Uh, and, then, and then it became an issue where they weren't arriving to stores on time. Yeah. And some stores were getting their shipment on different days than other stores because it was be it would be delayed. So one person would sweep into one store, buy everything they had, and the next day when they arrive at another store, they'd buy them all there too. Yeah, it's um, I mean, if you're looking for a root cause, I would say this slow collapse of Western civilization. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's like it's just like I, I think that the streaming and the uh, the YouTubers and everything have kind of. Like, it is completely broken into mainstream. It's almost like the Beanie Baby craze, sort of. Right. Where, like, um, at a certain point... It's like... I mean, it's like uh, Bitcoin. There's a lot of shit going on like this. It's like, uh, you know, the graphic card shortages. It's There's a lot of stuff going on right now for the same reason, which is basically that all of this shit has gone completely mainstream. Right. So, again, you can have no knowledge of what Pokemans even are, and you can go into a store and buy a little thing that has some weird art on it and you can make uh, $5,847 or whatever. So like there's no reason, there is no disincentivization of anything on Pokemon cards, right? right? On 
MLB cards, on graphics cards. If you can grab, if you can get your hands on a typical retail sale, uh, so my buddy just did this. He bought a, uh, a, a 3080 graphics card at the store because he happened to be in Micro Center when they got their delivery and put it out on the shelf. So he went and grabbed one. And then he, so he bought it for 650 which is retail cost. Mm-hmm. And then he put his inferior card that he was replacing. Oh, jeez. To sell online, and he made $1,000. I mean, uh, it, it's like the supply and demand chain has completely shattered on these. Nobody actually knows the real value. Um, it's this type of shit that, like, you know, uh, maybe five, ten years ago, you know, I had some original sets that had some holographic cards that were fairly not rare, but mm-hmm. you know, there's there weren't a shitload of them, and they were mine weren't in good condition or anything. I mean, they weren't in horrible condition, but they weren't graded. They're not mint. They weren't graded, and you know, I could have thrown my holographic Charizard online and made a hundred bucks, and I would have been happy with that. What is the actual real value of a holographic Charizard card? It's like a dollar or right. something. But for some reason people are paying 146 trillion to get uh this the 001 edition. It's it's like it's completely speculative. Nobody actually knows what the value of these things is. It could crash at any moment. It could continue to spike. Um it it's it's hard to tell. And like this is happening on like a hundred fronts at once. Right. So like Dogecoin is like having and value every time Elon Musk makes a cringy tweet. Uh, NFTs have already completely bombed. Like it turned out they've never had any value whatsoever. Uh, but there's still some weird like people hanging on because they just want to hold. Uh, there's like I mean companies are still getting in on NFTs and shit, so that's weird. Well, um, uh, the New Pokemon York Times did a going on. podcast where they were talking about NFTs where um, they made an NFT of one of their articles and were able to sell it for several hundred thousand. Yeah, it's totally bizarre. It has no actual value because I can go look at that. I could make my own NFT and I don't own the copyright so they could sue me or whatever. I don't really give a shit. But, you know, it, it's it's so bizarre. It's uh, Well, I think the technology behind NFT it's completely speculative. allows for, like, a digital equivalent to what you see like with printed art nowadays so like it's or like a painter signature or something. exactly it's a proof of authentication that this is one of a select number of few but now we're in this weird grayscape where we're paying for something that isn't actually physically real and say a power outage could make this completely gone one day granted the same could be saying a lost password yeah Granted, the same could be said for, like, say, a piece of art in a museum, and the museum catches on fire, and the art is lost to the floor. Or somebody sneezes on it. Right. And my, my favorite description of NFT was somebody, it was, it's, it was a rough one, if I can remember now, and it was the idea that if you, go, if you were to go into a museum, and somebody were to tell you that you can buy the Mona Lisa for, like, so many millions of dollars, and you say, oh, dope, cool, yeah, I'll buy that. And then you go to grab it, and they're like, "No, no, no! You, you, you can't take it though. It stays here." Right. And then all, you, and then they're like, "No, no! What you, what you get is a piece of paper that says that you own it." The certificate. Um, <laughs> and then, and, and you get a certificate yeah. that says you own it, but, but it's also not displayed next to the Mona Lisa uh, or anything like that. What it actually is is if you go, if you go out that hall, 
and down the stairs, uh, and and then about three three uh, three doors on the left, there is a, there's a janitor's closet. Uh, <laughs> if you open that door, and then move, and it's uh, if you move some of the the boxes and stuff that are there out of the way, your certificate's on the wall right there, where it says that you own it. One day I do um, want to go. Well, it's back. like it's like <laughs> the uh, the difference between closet. an art collector and a art enjoyer, I guess. Like. I like to have so also I don't have taste so most of my shit is like movie posters and stuff that I right. like but I don't have the original movie poster that was hung in the Chinese theater or something you know what I mean like I have a reprint because I want to look at the thing and it makes me remember the time I looked at the funny lights you know and that is a, a plebeian you know normal uh, commoner way to look at it and then there's like you know, for the Mona Lisa, for example, it's not a particularly, it's not the most masterful painting ever made. You know, there was some woman that had alopecia and a guy made a photo of her because she was rich or something. Right. So like, you know, it's not, it's the, the fact that it's extremely rare, the fact that it's been kidnapped 30 times, the fact that it should not have survived from the time period that it was created anyways, the fact that the guy that made it was cool. Um, the fact that it's the original and we can see all of the layers of paint and how they've been added and it's it's fragile and if people touch it their acid from your skin will wear it down over time all of these things is what makes it valuable right, right. and really it, that's the thing is like I don't want to sell the Mona Lisa I want to sell the receipt for the Mona Lisa that's where the money is it, right it's the title basically. It, it becomes an so accolade it's, it's weird that... I don't really get it but yeah it's it's completely speculative it does not actually hold any real value, right. which is true of a lot of things. I mean, well, you know, it kind of half of the shit I own doesn't have any value, so that's not, that doesn't bother me. An object is only but, worth uh, the amount of money that someone else is willing to pay for it, and I think that's what right. a lot of this comes down to is that some of this is right. a matter. Some of this is people because they genuinely want it, and some of it is an issue of pride and ego where they see something that is in high demand and if they're the ones that claim the ownership then they have then and we're also in like economic uncertainty oh yes so if there's a way to if there was a way to turn money quickly you you should do it probably oh yeah i mean that kind of goes into like what we were talking about earlier with um with cryptocurrencies and stuff like that a lot of people in the last few months thanks to things like Dogecoin, have been able to flip several thousand dollars into several million dollars just because on just pure luck and timing of when they decided to buy in on this kind of stuff. And not to quote New York Times again, there was another really good podcast that I would recommend checking out um, that they did on Friday about exactly that, where someone had put their life savings early on in Dogecoin at the beginning of the year and... They managed to turn that into into several million dollars. Yeah, and it's it is the type of thing. I guess there's like a survivor bias type yeah. of thing going on where you don't hear about the guy that put. Actually, you do sometimes, but it's typically not a uh, funny story no. of the guy that put his life savings into BitConnect and got completely fucked on right. it. Um, which happens all the time, of course. But uh, yeah, it's weird. We're in a really weird time. It's hard to just be a. Um, I don't want to say like a casual level, but it's hard to be like a low tier aficionado of something. If you are getting into Pokemon card collecting, this is the worst possible time. To do it. <laughs> if you want to build a computer, worst possible time to do it. If you want to, uh, 
kind of start to dip your toes in and learn about the stock market through crypto or you know GameStop or something worst possible time to do it you're going to get completely fucked in your ass trying to figure this shit oh, out without a doubt um, not to yuck anybody's yum here of course no it's just but, uh, it's, it's just a symptom of just kind of how turmoilic um, everything is at this current moment and it's very odd yeah it's just we're in a weird time period everybody is in a kind of a defensive hoarding posture right I'm at the gas station right now filling up plastic oh, bags so, I had to you know. fill up on premium on uh wednesday just be able to pick up my brother from the airport because everyone down here in florida panic bought despite the fact that the gasoline that we get here in florida comes in through the ports and not that unrelated pipe yeah yeah that comes from it comes from offshore exactly Exactly. so it's like yeah very odd um but yeah it's i mean it's it's a it's an economic uncertainty thing and also um I don't know. We're as we have been for I guess like ten years. We're on the cusp of World War Three, probably. So that doesn't help. When when the bombs drop, I want everybody to know that I had the rarest uh, Lickitung card. So that'll be my legacy. They'll find me. My my diary of Anne Frank will be a book of like three kind of semi rare cards and absolutely no money, <laughs> no gold bars, no jewelry, nothing that can be turned into liquid wealth. Just your N seven helmet. The, my N7 helmet, which I do not have batteries in. That's a waste oh. of batteries, in my opinion. Uh, all my fucking smoke detectors were dying, so I had to go scavenge up some 9 volts. <laughs> I completely bought out the convenience store. I'm like, why do you people not have 9 volts? When I said 9, he didn't know what I was talking about. Dang. I'm like, it's like square. <laughs> the plus and minus are right next to each other. They're not on opposite sides. Right. It was... It was uh, I've, been, I've been having a hell of a week with batteries. <laughs> But are batteries getting sold out? More at 11. Uh, uh, <laughs> check my New York Times podcast appearance to find out more. And don't, um, don't talk about batteries. Okay. I'm, I'm sitting here, like, legit looking at battery-operated lawnmowers because I'm an adult. Hell so, yeah. Uh, I don't need y'all's gas shortage. I'm about to buy a battery-operated lawnmower so I can take care of my yard. How many AAAs did that bad boy run on? A lot. Oh, man, fuck batteries. Shitload. My security cameras at the house take batteries, and the, the only batteries Bad. I have die in like a day and a half because I don't have the super, super good ones that it came with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so my cameras are rechargeable. You're going to want to... They last depending on the activity level that they capture. You're, you're going to want to hardwire that into your house, but then also you'll probably die while trying to hook that up. <laughs> I have a bunch of stuff. I need to. I have like a, a doorbell video thing that I want to install. I have like I'm gonna put uh, ceiling fans in on all the lights because there's rooms with no fucking fan in it in Ohio. Not happening. And uh, I had to do that. With I'm just my house. so nervous of just getting my fingertips blown off. That's not. It's not too bad. The installing the ceiling fans actually was a lot simpler than what I figured it'd be. It was pretty straightforward. I mean, there's like three total wires. Yeah. Right? Well, unless you're so, getting the remote controls, then you gotta do a little bit more. Don't but it's that. just wiring up to the module, and then from there, wiring up to the rest of your house. Fine. So you just have to turn off a breaker. Yep. Too. And that's all. That, you see, I'm also worried about that because uh, I've seen some guys catch some arc flashes at those panels. Oh yeah. It's a horrifying sight. <laughs> So we actually do have some good news before I go on about how I'm gonna die this week. Um, so yeah, we got a couple good news stories and then a funny news story, I guess. So we'll dig into uh, one person in particular who's excited about this. Final Fantasy. 
Exiv Fan Fest. Yeah, Final Fantasy fourteen just had oh. their annual Fan Fest, um, which is normally done in person. It's just their big hype-generating thing for all the fourteen content to come. Um, but a couple months ago, we found out that there was a new expansion dropping for Final Fantasy fourteen later this year. Um, and this year, FanFest was held remotely, but they made sure to go all in on it. Um, to no surprise, I was very excited. Um, the big deal with the new expansion, Endwalker, is that you'll be going to the moon. And for anyone that knows Final Fantasy history, that was Final Fantasy IV. Um, that was the big thing about Final Fantasy IV, was that you ended up going to the moon. Um, so lots of cool things happened. First of all, a lot of music that was being played for it was very reminiscent of music from Final Fantasy IV, which was one of my favorites. Mm. But we got a release date. Uh, the new Endwalker expansion drops on November 23rd. Um, we got confirmation a couple of months ago on the new class that was coming, on one of the new classes, and that was going to be the yep. Sage. Um, they announced the other new class for this one, which is going to be the Reaper, which is just a huge edgelord of a class. Um, it's funny because when the sage dropped, that was supposed to be like the epitome of light, like the person that knows all like the awesome magic spells, like mm -hmm. the bright shining beacon of hope. So a lot of people were thinking, what is going to happen class wise? Because all the classes have been similar to other ones from other games. Um, people were guessing necromancer, and that's about what we got uh, with the reaper class. Um, it's a class that uses a great scythe. Um, it looks like they're still going to be a DPS. They have um, some really, really awesome looking attacks. But what kind of stands out a little bit more is aside from just using a big scythe, they have like, essentially they have a stand. So there's kind of some JoJo um, stuff going on there. Um, Damn. You have an awesome dark little figure that can either attack on your behalf for you or it can attack from within you. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, what sucks though is everyone in the world is going to play as this class. <laughs> like as soon as this drops, you're going to see nothing but people playing this class. Mummy, step in. Yeah, it's going to be like uh, when they added the what was the uh, class they added to WoW that you had to be a certain level, the like Dark Knight or whatever. Folks, oh, I'm going man. back in time. I don't even remember because I did not play enough WoW. <laughs> yeah. It was like it was probably during like the the Lich stuff. So yeah, it was. Um, it's like it's going to be the same thing though, um, but with Final Fantasy, the big deal is that you can always just switch jobs on the fly. When they announced yep. Rogue and Ninja, that's all people played as for the longest yep. time, and it was awful because I remember playing with people that were playing those classes but weren't used to playing those classes, and mm -hmm. so they were using abilities from the wrong classes because this was back when you could mix abilities you learned with any other job. So people were taking the tanking abilities and putting them on their DPS, which is not how you do things right um i remember getting yelled at for being the tank for not being able to hold aggro enough because the dps was using my abilities as well as their own <laughs> you can't fix that um it was the dumbest thing someone straight up yelled at me for it and i was just like are you serious you're spamming my ability over and over on top of doing <laughs> massive amounts of damage you're an idiot. Um, <laughs> so here's the real the real question. All of the uh, Final Fantasy Tactics heads will have my back on this. When are they adding the calculator class? 
Dude, I am like anxiously awaiting for something like that and I was joking Real around during the reveal because they did the countdown for the final like they did a countdown timer from 60 seconds down to when the event started and when mm-hmm. numbers were going across the screen I jumped in chat and it was calculator. Like, numbers calculator confirmed <laughs> and like my friend lost it but well, um, wasn't it like uh, the like argument in game was that they would do like physics proofs that would like convince the universe that you were right about physics and then it would cause like Demi or gravity or you shit would, like that. So the calculator, that. the calculator class would be able to use any skills learned elsewhere. So like all of your spells, your summons, all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But you could use it based on um, height, based on level, based yep. on um, how much your current brave levels or your timer oh. is at, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. that's um, what it was. Is that you were um, you were able to mess with number inputs. Yeah, you were able to like take advantage of anybody. It was the essentially the idea of like level three Doom in some of the other Final Fantasies, where it was like right. any any character that's a, um, a level divisible by three is going to get inflicted with the spell and get hit by it. It was that, but on steroids, because it wasn't just based on level. It was based on your height of of what you're standing at. It was based on um, your your different stats and stuff, and it was mind blowing because you could seriously build the most overpowered characters ever. As right, it allowed you to really break. Like if something normally scaled off of, let's say, attack score or like strength or, or whatever, you know, that score, you could instead say, oh, instead you should scale based off of my, you know, yeah, physical height. So if you're at the top of the map. Your height translates to a strength score of like a million, and you just unleash a fucking was, unholy attack. Like calculator was dope. I loved it. Yeah. And there's a couple classes left out there that I, I like. We haven't seen Geomancer yet, so I'm excited to see that. That's the one happen. I was. That's the one I was thinking of, where you're like tricking physics, basically. Yeah, depending on what plat, depending on the terrain that you're standing yeah. on, you can do damage like earth based or like damage based on that terrain. Yeah. So if I'm standing in some grass and stuff, I can have like Ivy wrap around your legs and slow you down, which was really It's cool. like a um it's like a conditional version of like an elementalist class. Kinda, yeah. Yeah, it's really yeah. based on where you're standing at the time. Love um that. so that's that was a cool one I'd love to see happen. I would love to see a Beastmaster be a thing. Um and Oh, I, I would, would love that. Because that was one of my favorite classes back in eleven. Um, yep. but anyway having this was a kind of a cool one so we're getting two new classes with it um, a couple other big announcements happened the the thing they they kind of wrapped with that everyone lost their minds about um, they announced a new ad- addition to playable race um, a couple a while back we got the Viera cla- the Viera race which is the bunny people which is like Fran from Final Fantasy 12 is one of them mm-hmm. um, it's always been a, a female race um, we get to see the male Viera finally. Um, so the, the, the bunny boys rejoice. Um, they are coming. And they did confirm not just bunny boys on the way, but another race that was typically, you know, one gender is getting the alternate as well, just not at launch. Um, COVID did rattle a lot of things. So mm. we're getting more post-launch for that. Um, but sexy bunny boys are definitely going to be a plenty. I'm very excited. I'm probably going to make a new character. Um, of course, lots of new areas to explore. They all look absolutely gorgeous, uh, including some places on the moon, which is going to be so cool. Um, and sticking with Final Fantasy IV tradition, they're bringing some villains that were famous in Final Fantasy IV and have brought back to other games since mm. then. Uh, the Mega Sisters. Um, 
Yeah. They were originally a Final Fantasy IV boss that was really cool because they worked off of each other. You know, one would cast reflect on one would cast like healing spells and, and white mage spells on the one in the middle. And then the taller sister would cast all of the offensive spells on that middle sister, so they would bounce off of her and hit the and hit the party. Um, mm-hmm. Because when they would reflect off, they would amplify the damage. And then the middle sister would actually just use melee attacks, so she would just swing away and, and crush everything that wasn't ready. Um, Good that, shit. That boss was later brought back in Final Fantasy X, as well as some other stuff too. So seeing them come out in Final Fantasy XIV, I think is going to be really cool. Um, they're doing a new alliance raid called Myths of the Realm, which is going to bring back some uh, some really cool old school Final Fantasy stuff. Uh, some old Final Fantasy fourteen content coming that way. Uh, a new tribe to encounter on the moon called the Laporids, which look very much like little bunny people, like tiny tiny bunny people almost. Um, almost more, maybe more like um, yeah, they're still bunny like. It's weird. They remind me a lot of the Namming ways from Final Fantasy four that some people would remember too. Um, but one thing that I thought was really cool, um, aside from all the pre-order bonuses that are coming, the collector's edition that's coming, you guys can always check that out. Um, this is kind of a different kind of announcement that got a lot of hype behind it. They're adding a new data center. Um, new servers. That's really awesome because there had really only been Japan, Europe, North America. That was it. Oh, so yeah, if you were in like South America, you just had to deal with lag. Yeah, so if you were in more specifically like Australia, New Zealand, places like that, you had to choose those other ones that you were still kind of far away from, so ping was an issue. Um, They're adding a new data center. They're adding an Oceania one, and that's going to give a ton of new servers. That's going to free up a lot of server space that already exists because they're going to let people transfer to those ones for free if they live in those areas um, to be able to get their characters down there to help have a better... um, a more enjoyable experience for them. This is one of those behind-the-scenes changes that they mentioned um, out loud and showed some stuff about that I thought was really cool because not a lot of games, not a lot of MMOs would make that kind of thing a big deal, but it is a big deal. Like, that's one of those behind-the-scenes moves that you just, it happens and you're like, okay. But with this, it's, that's going to make the, the game so much more enjoyable for so many more people now. Um, but there's a lot coming Collector's Edition got announced with some extra stuff there um, as stupid as it is and sticking with all the Final Fantasy 4 stuff I'm going to not only need to pre-order it but I'm going to need to get the Deluxe Edition uh, at least for the digital content because two of the pre-order bonuses are little cute minions that you can have in the game follow you around mm. one is the uh, one is a wind-up Porum minion from Final Fantasy 4 and the other is a wind-up Palum minion from Final Fantasy IV. Anyone that knows those games knows that those were the twins. Um, some of my favorite characters in any Final Fantasy game. Um, but having both of them as minions is going to be super cute just to have, like, to rotate them around. Uh, but, yeah, Final Fantasy's Fan Fest. There's some videos out there. Check them out if you're a Final Fantasy XIV fan. Um, if you're a Final Fantasy IV fan that's been thinking about getting into Final Fantasy XIV, it's also worth checking out. Of course, there's that Final Fantasy XIV trial that can take you all the way up to level sixty or seventy, I, and it yeah, can I also give you yes, level sixty, and it gives you content all the way through the first full expansion of the game. So it's a lot. Yeah, this is. Uh, I think between this and Elder Scrolls Online, I keep looking at these. To, and I keep thinking, like, maybe I should give these a shot here. And 
for whatever reason, I've still yet to give them a shot here. Dude, 14, having the free trial that takes you so far is definitely worth it. Mm -hmm. um, ESO, I'm still always going to back down on because I've tried it. And no matter how many times I try it, the fact that you have the paid version versus the free version um, mm -hmm. as far as like monthly subscriptions and stuff or access to buy the, the expansions and for the bonus benefits here and there for different things. Right. They splintered it and fractured it way too hard for me. The game should have just been pay to play when it dropped, but as we all have said before, thanks to Microsoft wanting to yep. pay gate everything with Xbox Live back then, you would have had to have Live plus the Elder Scrolls Online membership, and they just stood their ground and didn't back down, so Bethesda had to back down. Gotcha. Yeah, I've only... I, I have at least tried Elder Scrolls Online once, but I don't think I was... I, I was giving it the right chance because I was jumping in to just try to build a character as fast as I could to join up with some friends one night, and that was about it, and I haven't touched it since. Yep, Final Fantasy XIV is very playable on your own. Okay. Um, it, a lot of it can be soloed because when it comes to getting into doing raids and dungeons and stuff, the auto-queue system will pull party members for you just for that instance. All right. Um, and then all the other stuff you can do very casually by yourself. Um, it's structured in a way that you can level up like crazy just from doing the normal story content. They've reduced the amount of filler missions, which is kind of cool. Um, and for what's even better, if you start a character on what they call a preferred server, mm -hmm. uh, which the, the data centers themselves are splintered off into a couple dozen servers, um, preferred servers give you an experience boost up until you hit a specific level. So just for being on a preferred server, you get more experience early on. All right. But for the free-to-play aspect of it, as for the trial, there's no there's no reason for anybody to not give it a shot. It's it, I I I had a blast with it. There's a lot of really good story content, and if you're an old school Final Fantasy fan, there's a lot of stuff that gets referenced throughout all of it too, including the timed events that you'll still get to participate in and a lot of the crossover events. All right. Yeah. Maybe. Uh Maybe this summer when things kind of die down a little bit, I'll have to give it a shot then. And if you decide to play it on console instead of PC, it feels amazing on the PS4 or the PS5. That's, um, yeah, that's where it, I'll have to play it really on. Good. I, I don't the, have a game. The game break. is designed around a controller. Alright. Yep. It's definitely something that always kind of grabs my attention. I'm really interested, uh, but haven't jumped in yet. There, it can be intimidating. There's a lot yeah. of story content, but to me that's a good thing, because if you're playing it for the trial, you're, you're, you're limited to yeah, a couple so classes much. that you can't use and a couple races that you can't pick in the trial, but that's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's still amazing. The amount of content they're willing to give you for free, like every time I get in an argument with somebody over, oh, but you have to pay like 15 bucks a month for your membership for it once you buy the game. Yeah? People have been paying for WoW for how long? Like, yeah grow yep. up but also like if you don't want to do it literally play the trial I challenge you to do the free trial and do everything you can in the trial before you buy the actual game and to do the stuff beyond what the trial gives you and then tell me how many hours you put into it because mm -hmm. the trial is massive and they never had to do something that like that mm -hmm. they could have done the yep. typical you can get to level 20 and that's it but no they give you level 60 you get original endgame, first expansion endgame, before you have to buy the game. Yeah. Yeah. So, are we ready to move? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Final Fantasy fourteen so, fan fest, totally worth it. Check it out, the stuff. Yeah. Try the try the trial out. You'll love it. I mean, Moving yeah, on. the trial's hard to say no to. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Uh, if you have the hard sure. space, it's there. Yeah. So, uh, we got a first uh, gameplay uh, public reveal for Total War Warhammer Three. Something that I'm pretty excited about. Um, the previous games, uh, like Total War, is very hit or miss for me. Um, I like when the political side is a little more built out, and I tend to be less interested in the um, kind of real time uh, minion combat that you can set up, uh, even though it is really impressive and you can do some really interesting strategizing. Um, so, this gameplay that they showed off. And they had several, um, you know, like IGN and different people playing. Um, was a battle versus, uh, between Kislev, which is kind of like the Russian Empire. Uh, it's like, you know, they have like ice powers. They have combat bears that they ride into battle. It's very cool shit going on. Um, and they were facing off against their kind of uh, main rival, Korn. Which was, uh, they're like a band. I think they're from California originally. <laughs> um, oh, nope, that's wrong. This is a, a K-H-O-R-N-E. So it was somebody who had kind of challenged uh, the leader of Kislev for leadership and got beat and exiled. And he left and went and formed this uh, Chaos faction, which basically in Warhammer, there are these like Chaos gods that just want to conquer and overrun the universe, basically. So they will choose their champions basically and like grant them powers so in this case uh corn as like all of his troops are like they're they're using like fire weapons they have this crazy chaos armor uh warhammer people will be very familiar with the uh chaos concept um so it's like a big battle of fire and ice um i'm sure they're playing off the marketing on that and you're battling in like this sort of hellish realm uh, they're upgrading, like, tower, uh, like, defensive combat. So when you're fighting at a stronghold, you can set up these towers that will have a much more uh, impact on combat than they did previously. So that was a change that the uh, studio had originally made in Total War Three Kingdoms. And they're kind of working that, implementing it into their other games, of course, um, which is definitely a good idea. I'm really hoping that the political simulation makes it over even though it seems like obviously you are not going to be uh having diplomacy with uh just like chaos magic powered barbarians so i'll be really interested to see some once they reveal some more of the factions um maybe get a little bit more information on what the the kind of higher strategy layer is outside of combat which is my favorite stuff to interact with uh but otherwise looking like very interesting i love the warhammer universe i mention it all the time i feel like um still expecting this one probably the end of this year but uh it will remain to be seen we're not 100 sure if uh old rona is gonna get it pushed back yeah we'll, we'll see what happens I'm, I'm excited to see more warhammer though like we're it's, it's one of those weird things the, that I, I appreciate and like to see but i'm never gonna get involved in yeah the warhammer is like they're having like a complete renaissance by just you know, they made a decision in the 2000s, uh, I guess the late, like early 2010s maybe, where they were just kind of like, you know what, we're just going to make this license like super accessible. We're going to let a variety of studios just kind of make their 
uh, Warhammer product that they're interested in, and that way the good stuff will stand out and the bad stuff nobody played it anyway, so who cares? Um, some of the stuff, if you're looking at, you know, if you're if you're watching these Warhammer trailers and stuff, especially in the fantasy setting, it might look kind of familiar, and you'll say like, oh, this this big like demon thing, they're clearly ripping off Warcraft here. Uh, Warcraft was originally going to be a Warhammer game, and they couldn't get the license. <laughs> so Games Workshop has, uh, I mean, like especially with when you look at Starcraft and stuff like that, the Space Marine, it's literally the same name with the same armor, the same build. Right. Um, you know, uh, Games Workshop has really just been kicking themselves for like forty years based on like turning down Blizzard. Uh, so uh, that's uh, that was one of the things that drove their kind of you know. If somebody's going to get something that's kind of similar anyways, I mean, Warhammer is relatively generic. Like, you know, there is a forest kingdom. There is a, uh, you know, the dwarves live in the mountain and they mine stuff. And there is a human empire and there's a human free state and there's a human, you know, kingdom. And like, it's, it's, it's got its own lore going on. The lore that it does is cool. People are really into it, but it's relatively generic. So it's, it can be copied anyways. So you might as well just let people have the license and get your cut on the back. Um, which you know is a lesson that they learned. Uh, their stuff seems cool. There's it's always like relatively interesting just because Warhammer just comes with so much built-in backstory and baggage at this point that the stuff is automatically kind of interesting. So uh, it has that going for it. Like I said, I want to see more before I uh, have a definitive uh, opinion on it, but um, definitely has my interest. And speaking of getting delayed to oblivion, uh, we got some. Uh, we got a nice financial report released from Ubisoft, uh, which includes some announcements of what they're currently working on, as well as some additional delays. Uh, Skull and Bones has been delayed again. <laughs> Wow. This is a game. Uh, still man. does not have a release date, but it does have a release window of um, March 30... Between April 1st of 2022 and March 31st of 2023. And this was originally supposed to come out for the previous generation of consoles, of course. This is a game that I constantly have to be reminded it exists, and I think that is... the could be the same for pretty much the majority of people who have at least heard about this game once. Just because of how often this has been delayed. Yeah, and I mean, it seems... I don't know. It seems almost like it's an automatic... Um, it, it's got good odds of being viable just because um, it was revealed... Just keeping track, it was revealed about the same time as Sea of right. Thieves. So it was set to be a more gritty, more mature, uh, probably more combat-focused Sea of Thieves. Like if you right? took um, Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag, but added in the game mechanics of like Sea of Thieves. Well, literally, they've been working on this since Assassin's Creed right. 3. Because they're using you know those old ship commands. So it, it just has been repeatedly delayed, delayed, delayed... Um, I don't understand how something can be so cursed. It seems like such a simple... It's like, hey, what if we did the pirate mode from... Yeah, Black Flag. Well, Black. isn't 
And it's like, okay, you finished that in, like, fucking 2015, so I don't understand why this is delayed. Well, isn't the studio working on this? This is actually their first game that they've... It's Ubisoft Singapore, right? I think this might be the first yeah, so they were formed. that they've been given to actually... They were formed down. from existing, uh, you know, they supported on a couple of these Assassin's Creed games. Obviously, right. they, a lot of the people that formed the studio were from existing uh, game studios and stuff. But yeah, this is their first title that they're taking the lead on for sure um so that i mean that could have something to do with it uh, you know weird management uh they don't have previously existing workflows to build off of and stuff like yeah. that but um especially i don't know so the the uh, financial report that went out to investors which is of course public information did show um they are still you know various stages of development they're still working on something called Rainbow Six Quarantine. Good luck getting that name out. Yeah. Far Cry 6, uh, Roller Champions, which was like a competitive roller derby game that we saw a little bit of. The Division Heartland. And uh, they said and more, which of course doesn't really mean anything. But uh, that's expected to release by end of fiscal year, so March 31st of 22. Yeah. So... Um, that's why we know about Skull and Bones is for the next financial year. That's why we know that they kind of had to window. report on it, right? So um, it's interesting. Uh, Ubisoft is kind of—I don't know—they've moved themselves into kind of an odd position um, in the games industry. They're like the smallest big publisher, mm-hmm. but also if you look at numbers, they're the biggest big publisher. Right. They have like a huge number of employees and studios, um, and they they usually pull in basically everybody to work on every project, which is interesting. We talk about their kind of employment practices a lot. They, so they've had some some bad news recently that have put a damper on a lot of stuff with uh, just generally like kind of toxic workplace right. stuff, um, which I guess is unavoidable at this point. But um, in general, they try to really keep their employees. They have a longer um, retainment, like retainment than most game studios do uh they try to keep people employed and like just transfer them to new projects or new studios rather than do big layoffs which is really good it's probably because it's a french company which has some of the most powerful and also some of the most like hostile unions in the world (laughs) so you know they're just like okay we're not gonna piss anybody off here we're just trying to be cool everybody stay cool so um i mean you know french people will riot at you know the cost of living going up two cents so i love that it's my favorite thing about french people famously i have beef with the french so (laughs) you know you gotta you gotta have respect you gotta give respect where it's due though so um yeah i don't i don't understand how this game is so they're so defeatist about it i guess it's really odd like i would have released it in early access 10 years ago well and just leave it in early access for a thousand years? Who gives a shit? I was just thinking, I mean, you have this, but then also was um, Beyond Good and Evil 2 even mentioned at all in this earnings call? That's true. Because that has been kind of along the same story as what Skull and Bones has, and they're both Ubisoft yeah. titles as well. Yeah, so I, maybe Ubisoft has... Uh found the point where their kind of market model has failed um i don't know i mean it's it's kind of strange i I mean 
this is one of those things where like they release a game and it makes like a quadrillion dollars profit and then they're like okay this was a failure yeah. it didn't it didn't hit our expectations and it's like bro what it's it's really odd like i, I just don't uh i don't know and they're very public about their data they're much more public than most studios well, are which is a major problem in the game industry they in were forced to be because of um a few years ago the potential buyout of vivendi they really started to panic yeah. about how well they were really leaning on their existing investors and seeking new investors so they were just opening up the books basically exactly point. and it clearly it worked yeah. out for the better because they were to, able to stave off that buyout yeah so it's interesting we'll have to wait and see uh to be fair, I think one of the best things about Ubisoft is that when they put out a game, you know exactly what you're getting. Yeah. When Far Cry 6 comes out, you will know exactly what Far Cry 6 is. I mean, they're very intensive in their marketing. Um, they, they do a lot of gameplay demos, behind-the-scenes stuff with uh, journalists and everything, so... No, you buy... That'll be interesting to see. You buy a Ubisoft game, you know what you're going to get, and it's getting to the point where... It's like the most transparent purchase of yeah. all time <laughs> well they're even building a brand of like granted it's always been a ubisoft game but i think they're like doubling down on the actual like uh, almost a marvel-esque branding of this is a ubisoft game yeah yeah yep they, they definitely have like a model uh that they they are sort of basing everything on and that w- remains to be seen if that's gonna be survivable or not but. well um, didn't they also recently announce that they're going to um, reshift some focus over into more free-to-play space as well? Which, yep. So that was that was. Uh, I don't know if it was part of the financial call, but it was definitely just like a general. Like they've said, they have this this free-to-play push. They want to do some games as the service stuff. Um, they have attempted that in the past, and it they just kind of pulled out before they got too heavily invested. Right. Um, which I think is that's what confuses me about Skull and Bones is that Ubisoft does not seem like a studio that's afraid to say hey we're not going to put good money after bad there is no such thing as sunk cost this is not going to work we're done yeah. so my thing is put out uh, there's it is impossible that Skull and Bones comes out and it's the best game ever made it's not happening no it's at this point like, it, it's simply it's impossible so I don't understand why either you release what you have and just, you know, if people like it, commit to work on it longer. And if they don't, don't. Well, they have to have spent hundreds of millions on it on this point. I wonder if they... I wonder if the reason why Skull and Bones has been delayed so much is because their thought process is that they want to use this as the flagship for whatever financial model that they want to go after. Because they liked mm. the success of the sailing features for the Assassin's Creed games. They know people were really hooked on that. They've seen how much people become attached to Skull and Bones, but they want to release a financial model that retains that kind of attention and revenue flow for it. And so I wonder if the delay is because they have to revamp the model for which how Skull and Bones is and that originally this was just going to be a full retail game and that maybe now they're trying to rework the way that this is done to make it a free-to-play game that that's interesting that's a i mean that's a theory that i just kind of was thinking about because originally wasn't skull and bones supposed to be only ship combat like i think that was and they were yes there was i think they had said that there was going to be no like 
individual player right. character. And then I th- that you were the ship and crew. And then I think they received some backlash on that, and I think they might have revamped it to that there might be. Grant, this is just me trying to go purely from memory. Yeah. And I think that might have resulted in their first re- um, delay because they were trying to rework it based on the response that they got from their initial announcement of that this is only for the ship. That's interesting because it, it definitely does at this point seem like there have been different versions of this game that existed. Right. Just because of you know information that we've heard about it. So... So, yeah, that's definitely possible. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's just what this is, is that Skull and Bones, like, the, not that I justify it, but it might be into them. They see a potential future, a long-lasting future with Skull and Bones. It's just they are, they can't decide on how they want to proceed with that future, and so it constantly keeps getting mm-hmm. reworked, and that's why it keeps getting re um Reannounced as being delayed again and again. Yeah, it's interesting. But for the most part, that's the uh, all the interesting news fit to print that we could pick up for this week. Um, yeah, we're still uh, like we said, we're we're cooking up some more ideas um, on additional types of shows that we could do. Definitely still interested in doing some more uh, deep dives on particular games. Um, still interested in doing some tabletop role-playing style stuff. I've got a nice fun one I've been pitching for a minute. I think we just need to make the time to do it. Um, I think it's one that we're all very interested in doing, so um, hopefully we get one of those knocked out in the near future to see how it, uh, how it goes over. Yeah. But yeah, not a, not a huge week, but enough stuff to, to really get the wheels going, and I, I think that this week has been big for that because in the in the in the coming weeks, especially you know with with E three being not too far off for everything, um, we're going to start seeing a lot more news start generating itself. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, when is E uh, three's uh, first week of June or? Uh, it's usually the second. I thought the second full week second or something week. like that. Or E three twenty twenty one Saturday yep. June twelfth. June twelfth to June fifteenth, so that'll be that'll be busy. Man, that's going to be in between one of our shows too. That's <laughs> annoying. It's going to be fun. Oh well. It'll Maybe cool. we'll have to make and some it's probably good to split up for it or something. Yeah, split up a couple episodes. We typically have, yeah. So that's normal. It's going to be a big week. Maybe. All right, so May- it might be a big week. Enough other companies are saying they're not going to do anything with it. Didn't well, yeah, I think uh, EA has said they're going to do something a couple weeks later in, like, July. Yeah, EA's uh, going to do their own thing, and I think that's going to be their Battlefield reveal. Yeah, probably. Battlefront 3, probably, too. Maybe. Didn't think Both. about that. Possible. What if Battlefront 3 is inside Battlefield 8, or whatever the fuck? <laughs> Six. Nine. You, yeah. You're playing, like, a map in the Battlefield middle of Battlefield 8 game. Village. And you come across like it'll an be, arcade machine. Yeah, it'll be like time splitters being hidden at Homefront Revolution. Yeah, hell yeah, I'd be into that. Honestly, how much would it suck to have to like hide a better game inside of your existing? Game? <laughs> I mean, if you you gotta, you know, every game developer wants to release a good game. Sometimes you have to take extreme measures to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Some real confidence issues. All there. right, so. Uh, 
We have been the Mammoth Gamescast for the week of 516. 